On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have a conversation between me, Spags, and Taylor Kyles, which was recorded live on the Pat's Pulpit YouTube page. It was our first live podcast. If you're not already subscribed to the YouTube page, make sure you go onto YouTube and smash that subscribe button. I've actually included the link uh, in the description of the podcast. So definitely make sure you go and do that. It was a great conversation. We had some people in the chat asking questions. We're able to answer those questions right away. It's a lot of fun. So anyways, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you're doing that. We're going to get right into it after the music. So it's a great conversation between me, Spags, and Taylor. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Officially live, this is the Patriot Nation podcast, episode 48, the first live episode. Uh, I am Pat Lane. With me is Ryan Spagnoli, as always. And uh, and joining us as well today is Taylor Kyles. We uh, we have a full house today. So uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're tuning in, we really appreciate it. And we're excited to, to kind of do this live show here. It should be fun. Yeah, Taylor, it hasn't been uh, since the Super Bowl. We came in. You had you had to break down a lot of X's and O's. So we, we haven't talked to you in a while. So happy to be happy to have you back. I'm happy to be back, man. I missed you guys. Let's get into it. Let's talk some ball. I know. Wow. So th- so uh, things have changed. Obviously, we were like, oh, we'll talk. You know, a little bit about this, a little bit about that. And now, of course, the Josh Gordon news comes out today. The Gordon news is the is the number one story. Obviously, they put him on IR, and now it looks like. Or at least from what Rapport is saying, he's going to be cut as soon as he's healthy. Uh, so obviously, surprising news came a little bit out of, out of left field. I guess for people that didn't love the Muhammad Sanu trade, it makes a little bit more sense. They give up a second round pick because they knew they were going to be losing Gordon. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess maybe. And uh, Brian Phillips mentioned this uh, from the pulpit that you know he wouldn't pass a physical, which is why they couldn't trade him. But you know, it, it's an unfortunate end to you know a stint that was fairly productive here but also like everyone was just rooting for him right yeah i mean i'll always be a fan of josh gordon and what he did here i I think alex barth had said it you know if you had told me back a year ago a year and a half ago when they made this trade for a guy who hadn't really played in five years was kind of in and out if you were going to get you know just about a thousand yards 67 receptions whatever he did and the time he put in here you would have said that's a win. I mean, you got a Super Bowl title out of it. He necessarily didn't help you down the stretch, but he helped big time last year, um, you know, kind of put them in the position to succeed. Absolutely. And then if you even look this year, like I think it's easy to say that there were, his consistency wasn't really there the way we expected it to be. Had some drops. You know, he wasn't really making you know four or five catches every game, but he was still I, – I put up a video on my Twitter. He was still making big plays yeah. that you're not going to really expect anybody else on the roster to make. So he definitely had an impact. But with someone like Gordon, I think the first thing you got to think about is him as a human being and everything right. that he's obviously gone through. And I think the reason that so many of us in, you know, Pats Nation rallied behind him 
was because he seems like a really sincerely good guy who, you know, just had an upbringing that a lot of us don't understand. Um, so there was definitely some sympathy there. And I just really, bottom of my heart, hope that he lands somewhere where they're going to give him some care. Cause you know, there was some piece that he did where he was, I think it was a bleach report where he was talking about the way that Cleveland, yeah. you know, kind of just used him going to rehab and all those things as a publicity stunt, really just trying to make it look like they were taking care of him when really they were just sending him there as a little vacation. So wherever he goes, and I think that was one thing I actually, tweeted at the worst possible time that I didn't think that he was yeah. going to I thought he was going to be with New England next year. And literally, as I was doing that, the news came out that he was being waived. Um, so, you know, I think the Patriots did a lot to try to help him personally and make sure that he was in a good position. I hope wherever he goes, that they continue to do the same thing. Right. No, I agree hundred percent. And that's, and like you said, I mean, that's the biggest thing. And at this point now, some of the, you know, some of the hard part is that, he could go anywhere, right? If the Patriots cut him, you know, after next week, waivers are are take effect. And so he'll, he'll go into waivers, and anyone can claim him off of waivers. And it could be anyone. It could Steven be Miami. It could be – I mean, that's – man, like the two places for me that I have is like Miami number one because they're just a cluster down there, and you got South Beach and everything else. And then number two is Oakland because they are an absolute dumpster fire. They have no uh, organizational, you know, backbone at all. And then you're talking about going to Vegas next year. Like that could be, that's the worst possible place for him to go. And I think second is Miami. And so it's, it's funny, you know, for him, I think it's a little bit more. And like you said, Taylor, like we're looking at as from the football angle, obviously, but for us, we have, we've invested in him as a person as well. So we're really concerned about him moving forward. And so Spags, just, you know, just, I'll let you kind of talk too, because, you know, we both kind of talked about it, but, you know, where, where are the places other than Miami and Oakland? Is there any pl- other place you're like, cross it off the map? Like, please God, don't end up there. I mean, not off the top of my head for a place, I guess I could spin it that I want him to go. I guess you could say somewhere like Detroit with Matt Patricia. I know he didn't yeah. get a chance to know him. But <laughs> know that he kind of brings that Patriots culture uh, there with him. Honestly, just a contender, really. I, as much as it, it hurts me to say that, maybe not necessarily in the AFC, but somewhere, you know, maybe a Green Bay, somewhere like that where it's going to be all football. It's going to keep him focused on, on a goal at hand. You don't want him going somewhere where he's kind of going to rot away and they're kind of building for next year and future years because you're going to see, you know, maybe not right. as bad as Cleveland, but something like that could potentially happen. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Think, it really is. Yeah. And I think especially with Flor- with Flores in Miami, you know, he's got experience with uh, Josh Gordon. I think that he understands the climate of their organization right now. I really am not sure that Brian Flores would say, yeah, we need to bring this guy in because right. I think he knows, you know, like you said, Spags yeah. was perfect. He needs some kind of direction. He needs some incentive that he can work every week for, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's like to a degree is a very self-motivated guy. I'm not saying that he needs football, you know, to keep himself on the straight and narrow. Um, if anything, people were saying that sometimes it could be a distraction, which, you know, we want to avoid, but I feel like Brian Flores would kind of, be the voice of reason to say we really can't bring him in here. This is not the kind of situation that would be the best for him. So, yeah, somewhere like a contender, I think would be the best landing spot. So he's got something to really reach onto and say, okay, like, and not only that, but you know, somewhere with some uh, organizational structure where you know they're going to be able to give him the resources to be the best person he can be, per, per, best person foremost in that. Best right. Person. And at yeah. the end of the day, we got we got everything we wanted out of him. Really, I mean, he he changed here. We we helped him. Uh, he, he, I mean, when obviously he's hurting now, but when it's all said and done, I'm sure he'll look back on this and that, you know, be so thankful for the opportunity to be able to come here, play with Tom Brady. And like I said, give him a better direction of life. Like last year, even when kind of, you don't necessarily, we don't really know what happened, but they were checking in on him and, and, and did a lot of things to help him. And I'm sure at the end of the day, like I said, he'll be super thankful for that. 
Yeah. Now, someone in the comment section said the Niners, and I think that's actually that would be a really good spot for him. I think San Francisco, you got, you know, Jimmy G, and there's a lot of stuff, a lot of positive things going on over there. So I like that idea a lot as well. And someone else said that they hope uh, you know, that that uh the Patriots will actually re-sign Gordon. Now I think I, I don't know what you think. Uh, and Taylor, I'll let you uh, I'll let you speak to it. But I assume, and like you said, now they invested a lot of time into him. They they gave him a lot of structure and everything else like that. But I got to imagine after you do something like this, that it's probably his time here. I would imagine is over for good. Yeah, I think so too. And like we talked about before the air, uh, before we went on air, the, the Instagram comment on the NFL that yeah. that's not a great look. Um, you know, they I think they said you know the Patriots put Josh Gordon knee on IR. And he, you know, commented interesting with, uh, with one of yeah, those emojis, kind of with the magnifying glass. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure it probably didn't go over too well. Um, but like I said, we, uh, we wish him the best and hopefully he can get back on the field soon and, and do his thing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then, I mean, if we're talking about this year, maybe next year, you know, you never know what the future holds, but this year, I think that this is the end of the road for him. Um, if anything, I think Evan Lazar pointed out that at this point, Sanu is the better option over Josh Gordon. And, you know, when I found out about it, honestly, I was kind of in shock. I was having trouble kind of wrapping my head around everything and really putting it in perspective immediately because, you know, I, it was just disappointing to know that someone that we invested so much time in, and, you know, no regrets for that, absolutely. Like, I'm still right. invested in him and his progress, and I want to, you know, continue to see him do well. But that kind of sucked. But I, I think Evan's absolutely right because I, I guess the expectation personally for me was that at some point Gordon would eat healthy. We wouldn't see the version of him that I think we were expecting even last year. You know, that crazy explosive guy that ripped off the huge touchdown against Aqib Tlaib in 2013, I believe it was. Um, I don't think we were ever going to get that. But still, he had the option to get in that big physical guy who could still make the big plays consistently. And I think that consistency is the problem that we were seeing where he couldn't really do that. I think Mohamed Sanu, he's a durable guy. He's someone that Matt Ryan could consistently go to in big spots. You know, when I was doing my film review of him, there were multiple times on third down and fourth down where he was making contested catches, where he was, you know, finding places in the zone and just getting open and making sure that he was giving Matt Ryan a, a solid target with, you know, his already huge size. So I think that right now Sanu could – end up being kind of a Brandon LaFell situation where we see him go from a guy who's usually in the slot, that big slot type to outside because he still has the physical tools to win out there. Even if it's not something you see a lot from him on tape, you know, in two receiver sets, he's on the outside, but when the Falcons went to their three, he was inside. So I think they upgraded. So I don't really think we're going to see Josh Gordon come back, but again, I hope he, you know, finds a good situation for himself and I hope the Patriots can keep it chugging. Yeah. No, I agree 100. percent I, I love I love what you said there, and and you you posted that on Twitter earlier. Um, you know that LaFell uh, that LaFell um, uh, comp, and I thought it was perfect because that's exactly what they're looking for. That's exactly what they need. You know, they need a guy like that that can come in and produce. And again, like you said, outside, inside, wherever it might be, you know, you need that guy, and he's got the smarts to do it. He's got the body to do it. So you know, I'm excited to see some new. Obviously, the Patriots believe in him. And so let's kind of trans. Uh, I think we'll we'll just kind of keep this transition going. Spags, when you when you look at a guy like Sanu, now unfortunately you go from you know and, and I I tweeted this out earlier. You go from week two, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, you know, Nikhil Harry coming back off of IR to you know to now Edelman, Sanu, Jacoby Myers, and Gunnar Olszewski. I guess like you know so it's like. So, whoa, like you take a big, you know, obviously it's a big step back from week two, but Brown's been gone for a while. Sanu's going to probably be their number two target at this point, and I've liked what I've seen from Myers so far. Uh, Spags, you know, where do you think Sanu fits in, and how do you think, you know, that's going to work here? Yeah, I mean, Taylor, you're more of the X's and O's guy, but 
I've, I mean, we talked about it for weeks when we trade trade chips and who the Patriots would go after. We were kind of set on, we knew they were going to go to their receiver. You knew they were going to try and, and go out and do that. And I had said I wanted to new. Um, you know, you've known that they've since the off, like Maurice, right? Like guys like that, they wanted to go bigger and that thought, Sanu was more attractive and the Rutgers. And like he talked about, Bill had been right. close to him. They go way back. Like he said, uh, I think he fits the mold for our receiving. Like we said, in outside can play anywhere. I think he's going to a lot of people because he kind of got overshadowed in and because of Julio Jones. And then obviously the emergence of Calvin Ridley, the last couple of years, uh, Sanu is kind of like their three, I guess. But I mean, on a lot of rosters, <laughs> he can two, even place the number one. I, I think he's got a legit set and he's going to help them. Um, wherever he plays. Right. Yeah, I think that um, the way we're going to see him used is primarily, I think he's going to be the X. I think it's the uh, reference I think I'd use is maybe 2016 when you had Hogan, you had, and you had Malcolm Mitchell, who was a rookie who started performing well. And I think, you know, Nikhil Harris is a completely different situation. Bill says that mentally he thinks that Harris is going to be able to uh, come in and contribute, but you never really know until they're on the field. So we still right. have to see that. But in 2016, we usually saw, even when Mack and Mitchell started coming on and playing more snaps, it was more of a rotation where sometimes when Mitchell would be on the field, then Hogan would kick down to the Z. So just to break it down really quickly. So the X receiver is simply the receiver who's on the line away from the tight end. So they're on the ball, which means usually they have to be more physical, bigger guys who can handle press man coverage because you can't move them off the ball. So if the cornerback wants to come up and play physical, there's really nowhere for you to hide. Now, we've seen Dorsett in that role at times. They sprinkle him in at the X. But I don't think that's a role that they really like him, and they like him at the Z, which is where Edelman plays sometimes as well. That's that off-the-ball position where you can put them in motion. Usually if uh, if Edelman's at the Z, he's the one who's doing a lot of the motioning, and then Dorsett will go to the Z outside, and then Edelman will come in the slot just to not to get too carried away. But I think Sanu has that physicality and that skill set where he can really thrive on the outside, doesn't necessarily need to be in the slot. And I think Nikhil Harry and Sanu were the best options to be out there. And I don't think they're going to rely on Nikhil Harry to be the guy who comes in and is consistently the main X. I think, if anything, they're going to switch back and forth with Sanu getting a lion's share of the reps because he's got the NFL experience. He's got that savvy. And he's going to be able to acclimate himself faster, even though Nikhil Harry's been in the system longer. He still hasn't played against any NFL defenses. You right. know, you have to make those side adjustments. There's a lot of parts of the Patriot system where a lot of it is post-snap. So what's happening when the ball's ha- when the ball snapped is the defense changing changing their coverage, you know, are you going to be able to in that split second change what you're doing? A lot of that mental processing. So we're going to see how fast to kill Harry can adjust and how flexible they can be with those guys. I think Sanu, they're going to have that versatility pretty early on, but I, I'd see Sanu as the primary uh, outside receiver. Yeah, no, and I'll tell you, Tyler, uh, Taylor, the thing for me is that you saw it a little bit from Jacoby Myers on Sunday, on Monday night. I'm sorry. You know, when uh, I think it was like a third and nine plays pretty early in the game, and he ran across the middle and sat down right in the middle of that zone. You get the two linebackers outside, and you get the safety behind him, and he sat down right at the first down marker, and boom, Brady hit him for a first down. And you posted a video very similar to that of Sanu, where you know Sanu's running across the field. He sees uh, you know one linebacker drop, so he knows that he can get in front of him, and he sees the other linebacker coming towards him, so he stops where he is so Ryan can hit him for like a six, seven-yard gain. And it's just things like that that you're going to have to see. And Myers, I don't know if he makes that play in week one, but, you know, now it's week, uh, week what, seven? And so he can make those plays. But, you know, it, it's just about really kind of understanding what you're looking at. And you're right, Nikhil Harry, although he has an understanding of the system because he's been here longer, he hasn't actually been on the field to really understand that and see that. And so I think that that's important. Now, it might come over time. He may be, 
you know, very fast learner may get it right away, but you know, it's going to take a, a week or two at least for him to, for him to get up, up to speed. Yeah. And what did Malcolm Mitchell here? 40 something. Now I believe, uh, going to get three to 43, probably not, maybe a little bit lower than that. I mean, if, you know, right. he's obviously going to see an uptick in targets now, um, you know, his role just got a little bit bigger. He's ready for that. We He's he's shown that he can beat any coverage, especially like, I tweeted out today that they, Brady went to him on two crucial third downs in that opening drive. He made the play. Yeah. Um, I think you can kind of see an uptick in targets for him. He's gone up the last three weeks. Anywhere between 30 to 35 catches for Myers is what you're asking for. And I think if we had this conversation week one, we would have been like, no way because of the, the yeah. people they had, but it just shows mm-hmm. the trust that they have in their young guys. And I'm happy to see that too, because they, they were old. They, they're, I mean, we talked about it last week, Pat, especially on, on the defensive side of the ball, Patriots are getting on the older side of things and they were, you know, Edelman's 31. He's not getting any younger in his body too. I mean, he takes a lot of hits. Gordon hasn't played a lot. Obviously got, I'm glad having guys like Myers and, and guys like the, the snap. Yeah, and I think with that age, I think that it's, they've still got a good inflection of youth. Now, uh, and so when I say Gunner, I'm not sure what his role as a receiver is necessarily going to be in the future. I see him really as a special teams guy, and then yeah. it's kind of a wait-and-see kind of situation like we had with Edelman early on in his career. But Nikhil Heron, Jacoby Myers, now you got an outside receiver and an inside receiver that I think can – be with the team and contribute for a long time. You know, obviously we haven't seen anything from Nikhil Harry, so I don't want to, I want to pump the brakes a little bit as excited yeah. as I am to yeah. see him produce, but just what we saw in the preseason, even the first two targets he get, he catches them in a dominant fashion, mm-hmm. that one back that shoulder, shoulder. And the other one just snatch it out of the air. Like that's yeah. exactly what you expected to see from him. So and with his work ethic, you know, his intelligence, the fact that Belichick openly said, we all know, you know, Belichick will fluff up another team, but when it comes to his players, sometimes he sounds like a broken record, but he doesn't lie. You know, if a guy right. is struggling, he's going to avoid the question. If a guy is doing well, he's going to give him his praise. You know, it's one thing I love about Belichick. Um, and he said that he thinks the kill here is ready mentally. That's a huge, that's huge praise, I think, for someone who hasn't even played a single NFL yeah, snap in the regular season, only one preseason game. Um, so in terms of that, you know, that youth movement, I think they've got, they've got those set, those good veterans. You know, you got Dorsett, who's not as old as the older guys, Sanu's 30, Edelman's 31, but you've got, you know, the veteran base, which I think is important. And then you got young guys who it's like, hey, come in, you contribute. You get more opportunities. If you don't, you know, we'll just go to some of the other veterans. There's a lot of options on this team right now. It's super exciting. So I think they've got just enough youth um, to be excited about for the future and, you know, have some level of, okay, you know, they're not they're not going in um, to the next couple of years. But like, we need a receiver. We need to pump, right. you know, some youth in the group. But it's, it's a nice mix. And I think that's what the Patriots have on both sides of the ball, which is really nice. You know, enough veteran presence that you know that they, they have consistency and reliability and then some young guys to get you really excited as well. Yeah. It's crazy how football changes too. Remember week two? Like we had Brown, Dorsett, Gordon. It seems uh, like it seems like forever ago. Now we have a whole it's like three years later, the a whole yeah. new receiving course. Yep, it's crazy. So, so uh, I'll open this up. Go I guess going to another little uh we can go on a little discussion. Do you think they're done yet? Because I, I have a little interesting take. Do you think they're done going out, maybe getting a receiver, a tight end? Um I I mean Michael Bennett's kind of like that outside. The whole defense is out there having fun, and he's he's not happy. So it's like, you saw that too, yeah. Uh, yeah, the- I mean, he's like the other kid that when everyone's having fun, he's kind of off to the side, all uh, all pouty yeah. and, and selfish a little bit. So uh, I think that's another block to fall. Are they going to move him? That's another discussion. But uh, I don't think the Pats are dumb. Well, personally, I just they need more money. 
they're already I'm yeah. not sure what the cap is right now. I know it's I think that oh no, it Josh closed. Gordon actually I think um I saw a tweet that said they were gonna get two million off the cap because he was cut, but there was some technicality. I'm not a cap guy. Um but I don't yeah. think they're gonna get the money from Gordon. Yeah. And right now I think they're sitting at around three million or something. No, well, not even they had three million before the trade. And then Sanu came in, they're gonna have to maneuver around that and right. make money to pay him as well. So I don't. I'd love to see them go after someone. I know Scott Pioli mentioned he didn't say the Patriots were looking at Austin Hooper, but he said that Austin Hooper would be an interesting guy for the Patriots to go after. Oh. But also mentioned that they just don't have the money to right. get anybody that they I think would really want. It would be a, you know a kind of name that would excite us. I've been just plugging for a blocking tight end, like someone that can come in and you know consistently can get the job done in the trenches, like a Dwayne Allen. I have a feeling he's still not healthy, so. Yeah. I'm not putting my eggs in that basket. I used to think it was more about money, but then, you know, as long as he's been out, I'm starting to think it really is more just his health. Yeah. But um, as much as I'd like to see them go after one more guy, you know, as a fan and as someone who just wants to see some more stability and less of a rotation at the tight end position, that's a luxury. You know, most teams don't have a great depth at tight end either, sure, so yeah. it's hard to really complain about when they've got it in so many other places. We've um, been but, so lucky for so long with Coates. I mean, even, even yeah. Hernandez here a little bit, and then Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Like we, this is what teams go through yeah. all the time. We're yeah. kind of getting and even blocking tight ends. I know. Like yeah. we, we've had we've had who man we've had Dwayne Allen, like guy Mike Williams, guys that no one really yeah. talks about. But right. because there was Gronkowski, it was like okay, the number two guys a good blocker. We know that already. But I think we took for granted the fact that Gronk obviously led the ship, and those guys were maybe more contributing roles. But they still did the job. And this is the first season where I'm really seeing the Patriots put tight ends on the field that aren't winning at the point of attack. They're usually trying to run to make sure that the tight ends aren't really going to be right there where the run needs to get at because defenders usually can do a really good job stacking and shedding where they get their hands in their chest. They extend to make sure that they have enough space to get off if they need to. And they're getting off the blocks of these tight ends really easily because they're not the biggest guys. You know, Tomlinson came in, he was about 265, although he's not the best blocker for his size. He was still good and he was still capable He's cut, so now we're back to you know having a bunch of two hundred fifty-ish pound tight ends. So, right. you know, I, I, if anything, I just like to see them get an under the radar guy who's going to be able to get in the trenches and move some people. But well, the you moves, know, again, qu- yeah, no, the moves question is interesting because they cut Josh Gordon while well, they they put Josh Gordon on IR, so now they have a spot, right? So mm-hmm. they have you know, and so the real question for me is like, okay, if you have a spot, what are you going to do with it? You know, bring back Jordan Richards. Hey, you never know. Coach Richards, man. Listen, I tweeted this out. Like, no one in history has ever been more maligned for like a coaching error. Like, there is no way he should have ever been on the field in Super Bowl Fifty Two or Super Bowl Fifty Two. Right? There's no way. I stopped ragging on him a while ago because I'm like, it. It first was like kind of not. I don't want to say fun. That sounds sadistic. But you know, it's just like you play around. It's just like the fan base. You know, you just you know, right. kick around a little bit, but it's kind of sad now because he's done yeah. nothing wrong. By all no. accounts, he seems like a fantastic human being. He's, you know, right. really right. nice locker room presence. He good always does what he's told. Good special team. Good special team. Like he's not, he's not bad or anything. It's just the draft, you know, where they draft him, obviously right. he gets the flag for that, which is completely unfair. All right. So I had to cut off like the Jordan Richards bashing. Cause I just started feeling bad. I was like, this is a good dude. <laughs> First I was just joking, but this has been like what, yeah. four or five no, years. They just it's the same way. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. No, and so we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? But they definitely have a spot. So we'll see what they do, what they decide to do with that spot, whether they make a trade or not. I'd love to see them make a move. But again, like you said, Taylor, uh, you know, and Spags, I think you mentioned it too, like they don't have any money. So I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they extend someone. Maybe they don't. I, I have no idea. Maybe they say, okay, Michael Bennett's not happy. Let's ship him out. And so, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it really, I mean, it changes things, you know? And, and so, um, you know, they don't have any fullbacks. The fullbacks are gone. 
So now did they Ferenc go to get a now. Oh, uh, yeah. James Ferentz. Hey, <laughs> Andy Rupp. Center. Center. Tomlinson's gone. Back, Tomlinson's gone now. And we just got a comment, too, yeah. on the side about, uh, well, this changes the fullbacks come back. I don't yeah. know if Devlin's there's no fullbacks. Back. No, there's no fullbacks yeah. coming back. No. Yeah, no. This is it. Devlin's, Devlin's gone, unfortunately. Gone, yeah. You got to bring Wynn back because uh, Mark yeah. is – No, Wynn is, is a definite, and Harry at this point is a definite, too, unless you're going to yeah. get someone that you think can replace him. But – to me, he's the first round pick. He's playing this year. Like he just he's gonna have to, you know. So and, and, um go ahead, Taylor. And then going back to fullback, I think I'm not sure how much they're actually planning on using Landon Roberts. I'm not sure if it's exclusively a goal line role, but honestly, he had a couple plays where he looked he didn't look bad. Now I'm not on saying the third, he on the somebody. third touchdown, he was the lead blocker. He blew somebody exactly. up. Michelle yeah, it was, so, mm-hmm. was it the third one, I think. Was it yeah, I think it was the third it one. Was, but, it, the in second fairness. he popped, he popped Jamal Adams in the hole. Now, or, or, yeah, Jamal Adams, and then yeah. the second yeah. one, Jamal tried to go under him, and Roberts kind of went over him, got Cashman. So we basically got two guys at once. And you saw, like, I was looking at his feet because when you think about it, like in the goal line, it's so tight, and there's so many bodies around. It's really easy to just, you know, the first time that uh, Robert, Roberts was in at fullback, he just ran right into yeah. uh, Marcus yeah. Cannon. So you saw he started a little hot, and it's not easy because you got to navigate through traffic. You got to make sure that you're actually creating a lane and somewhere for your running back to follow you through. And that was something I thought he did fairly well. Again, it was two snaps that he actually got the job done. So I'm not gonna say that you know you're gonna start no, seeing right. him like outside hey, and right all that there. stuff. You know, hey. he's gonna come uh, in honestly, eligible we... and catch a pass <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, like, Andrew Roberts gets the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. Michael Felder. We've seen him we'll try to catch. All done that. I'll throw ten bucks on it now. <laughs> We've seen him try to catch interceptions, so I'm not sure that's the best idea. Yes, he dropped like two or three the past couple of years. Landon Roberts has dropped like a couple interceptions. Yeah, he is years, really bad. So I'm not. Well, he's gonna have to show that one in practice. If they're gonna give him that chance. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. So you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, someone too met, just mentioned Brandon Bolden. I mean, uh, Bolden I think is an awesome. interesting case because he's been great, mm-hmm. and they've been, been throwing the ball to him out of the backfield, right? And so mm-hmm. you know, Rex will come back obviously, and so maybe he won't have as much of a role. But he's the type of guy that you know, every few you know, every few weeks, like you know, a few times a year, he'd break off a long touchdown run or he'd break off a thirty yard run or something like that. And so he's done it consistently in the past, and I think that you know, you saw it. You've seen it just more consistently from him because they've been playing him more at running back. And mm-hmm. Sony Michelle's another one. You know, you mentioned Jordan Riches with the, you know, where they drafted him. And unfortunately, I think Sony Michelle's fine. He's a good running back. He's not great. He's not sensational. He's not a franchise running back, right? But like he's pretty good. But like he was drafted in the first round. So everyone expects him to be this superstar, you know, all pro running back. And that's just that's not what he is. And I think, and I don't know, but I think that the Patriots knew that he wasn't that when they brought him in. They said, you know, he's not this sensational, you know, Christian McCaffrey running back, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, but he can he gets what's there need and he doesn't guys. fumble the ball. Really, right. They, and so they that's, really don't. That's not their system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's fine. He, he's a one-cut guy. Like he, he's doing everything they ask for. Yeah, right. his, his decision-making is a little eh. And I think uh, the instability of the line and not having the two tight ends like Allen and Gronk that they had last year and Andrews and Brown, like they Mm -hmm. made life really easy for him. He was running through some holes last year, especially in the playoffs that you could have drove a truck through, you know? And I think this year it's kind of testing his intelligence as a runner and and, and all that. So that's a little bit where he's struggling, but yeah, like you said, he's fine. You see the first round pick Mm -hmm. and see that he's drafted, you know, what one or two picks before Nick Chubb and everyone has a, Oh my God, but it's just two different systems. Right. 
Right. And I think part of it was his character because he was a captain at Georgia. You know, yeah. he's a super mature guy. We could see that as soon as he came in the locker room, he fit right in just the answers he was giving in press where he was being interviewed by reporters. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And like, think about it. Jordan Richards was drafted in the second round was known in the scouting community and people who recognized him when he was picked as a guy who was very smart, was a coach on the field, but his athletic limitations were significant. And you don't really go for guys with athletic limitations in the second round unless you're the Patriots because the guy shows something that you're like, if we put him in right. the locker room, he's going to exactly. fit right in. And, you know, maybe he's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be in the locker room for at least four or five years. And he's going to be a guy that's going to motivate everybody else. And I think that's got – you know, who are we to question that considering the consistency that they've had and all the, the locker room stability and all the leaders that we've seen come out of there, go to other teams. And then you say, and then other teams are like, yeah, he's just a guy comes and gets his work done. He's a good leader. So, you know, all those factors I think played into Sony being drafted and the unfair, you know, flag that he gets a lot of the time for not being Todd Gurley, you know, like any of these right. other guys who can just make guys miss in the hole. That's not him. A lot of times he needs a little bit of head of steam to, you know, pop guys because we, we see him when he gets to the open field, he looks like a the kind of running back that I think Patriots fans want him to be. Right. But before he gets that, you know, he's not, he doesn't have that burst where he can kind of stop for a second like Bell or McCaffrey and just pop into a gap two uh, gaps away and take off. That's not who he is. But, you know, I think he's what the Patriots expect him to be. And maybe just on the outside, the perception wasn't quite what it Agreed. was supposed to be for his expectations. No, I agree. And w- listen, we're going to transition to the defense. Before we do, you mentioned uh, Jordan Richards. His Actually, his nickname at Stanford in college was Coach. Everyone called him Coach yeah. Richards. And it was mm-hmm. just great. I just love that. So I've called him Coach Richards my whole, you know, since he's been here. And then I was kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll stop doing that after he has <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a you know. So, but anyways, let's get into the most defense. lucky he's not still here, too. Because he would have taken a load off. Oh, that that guy, dude. Bethel, yeah. though. We got Bethel. That's a pretty nice pickup. I yeah, love that. Yeah, man. Dude, no one's going to – no one's going to return a punt ever, ever. Oh, no, one's, They're going to be no. fighting to down the ball at the end. They're going to be like, no, no, I, this time I got it. They're going to be racing each other. Forget about attack on the guy. They're just going to be racing each other down there. So um, let's get into the defense. This defense, historically, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the numbers are insane. You know, 175-point uh, differential right now for the Patriots is just out of this world, astronomical. I think the, the craziest stat I've ever heard, as a matter of fact, uh, my cousin Artie sent it to me, and he got it actually from uh, from, I believe it was from Reddit. But uh, so, you know, I, I didn't fact check it, but I'll believe it. So it, it says uh, they said while the Patriots offense has been on the bench, the Patriots have a point differential of plus 10, <laughs> removing every single one of their offensive drives from every single game. The Patriots would be three, three and one <laughs> tied for the second wild card spot in the AFC and better than 15 teams in the NFL. That's without. Any offensive drives, zero, literally zero offensive drives. Their defense, and I know they've played nobody, and I know the offenses have sucked, and the offensive lines have been terrible, and the quarterbacks and everything else, but it doesn't matter. It's unbelievable. And the Jets had a great week against the, against the Cowboys. Donald looked awesome. The Cowboys supposedly are good. They, you know, they curb stomped the Eagles the you know this week. So you look at the Eagle at the Cowboys, it's a pretty good team. And the Jets. They only won by two, but they they handled themselves in that game pretty well. And they come against the Patriots and look like the worst team in football. It's just I, I've never seen anything like it. And Taylor, I'm just just you know I want to go to you first because you're more the X and O's guys. What the heck are they doing? What are they doing that just Zero that blitz, makes them so dominant? Dude, seriously, I mean they're, they're just getting every receiving core. Go ahead. It's there's so much multiplicity and so much disguise, and the biggest thing is. I think this is this defense is so unique because and I know everyone thinks 
you know, I was even when I was in work today, people were saying, oh, we haven't seen them play anybody. This is a unit that's better than it was last year doing a lot of the same things right. where a lot of their zero blitzers. Like we were talking about this during the playoff run. It wasn't talked about as much during the regular season, but they started pulling this out against Minnesota. This isn't new. They've been doing this for a long time, not quite as aggressive. But I think even going into the playoffs, they started to really ramp up the aggressiveness where you were seeing these looks where they'd have the sim pressures or simulated pressures where you got the guys coming up to the line of scrimmage. You get six, seven guys. And basically what the idea is, is what they're doing with these zero blitz looks. And zero blitz means there's no safety. So usually cover right. two, cover three, it indicates how many deep safeties or deep coverage players there are. But in cover zero, there's no one deep. So what happens is usually an offense will have five offensive linemen, sometimes a tight end attached, and then maybe a running back in the backfield. So the most you're going to have is seven guys to protect. If the defense is sending as many guys as you have to protect plus one, so maybe you got all those guys in protection, they send one more guy or they send as many, you have to get the ball out of your hands quickly because someone's going to be unaccounted for most likely because a lot rarely the teams uh, uh, have all their guys or like it's called max protection. So rarely yeah. do they have the tight end and the running back both block on a consistent basis. But against this team, sometimes that's what you got to do. And what happened against Darnold was, and you actually saw when uh, Belichick and Hightower mentioned that they had the freedom based on the offensive look to change the play and bring pressure. What I noticed was anytime Sam Darnold went to an empty formation, Hightower would pull Deron Harmon from the middle of the field, tell him to come down in the box, and they would create a seven-man front against what the Jets only had six. So typically, when you're in an empty set, a lot of the plays that are in that formation are quick plays because if an offense – you only have five blockers most of the time. An offense sends one more guy, it's quick pressure, and you don't really have as much help around you. With Griffin in, they knew that he was going to be there to block because if you're empty and a tight end's attached to the formation, he's probably going to at least chip or do something to help out, you know, give the quarterback more time. So by, by bringing up seven guys when they only had six to protect, Darnold knew, okay, I got to get the ball out of my hand fast. Now, on the first time they did that in the empty look, that was Devin McCourty's interception because they actually did send seven, and they got yep. two free rushers because Hightower came in free, and then Jamie Collins was outside of Chase Winovich pre-snap and then bumped inside, and it confused the protection, so nobody accounted for him. Uh, Darnold threw it hot, and the receiver hadn't even turned around. McCourty literally was just standing there yeah. watching Darnold, <laughs> seeing when he was going to throw it, and picked it off. And that happened the second time was the strip sack with John Simon. And yep. because they did it once and they got it and Darnold said that they were going to send this pressure, it happened then. That's why he said he started seeing ghosts. And a big part of that is you have to have guys that can win their one-on-one -on -one battles because if you have all those guys in protection, then usually it means it's going to be a man pass protection. So everybody has, every lineman has one specific person, but the Patriots have guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups. You know, you got Jamie Collins who can just use his athleticism to get around linemen who are kind of bigger guys. So they may overcommit if he starts one way and he'll go right around them. You got Hightower, you got Van Noy, you got Winovich, you know, Butler, all these guys that can win individually. So even when they're not sending so much pressure that you have to get it out, they're still going to get in your face and, you know, get quarterbacks rattled. So on the strip sack, actually John Simon came free because the protection wasn't accounting for him, but the Patriots weren't even sending everyone that they were threatening. Right. And he came right in, put the hand up to make sure that Darnold couldn't dump it off the way he'd want to, but didn't leave his feet, which was a huge key because he wouldn't have probably gotten that sack if he jumped up, but he put his hand up really quickly, kept going for Darnold, got him wrapped up and stripped it out. So, you know, I just went into a whole tangent about that. But basically <laughs> what they're doing is they're showing a lot of things. You know, they're moving guys around. Sometimes they're a Miva package. Sometimes when it's, you know, the safety starting in the box and then going all the way deep, we see that a lot, which is something that, you know, especially young quarterbacks, you're not used to seeing a guy start five yards from the line of scrimmage, then book it and end up 20 yards downfield. You right. know what I mean? 
So those are just little things that they're doing that it's a lot to process as a quarterback when you only got like 20 seconds to read the defense a lot of the time. So I'm going to let somebody else talk. I'm exhausted. Yeah, and one thing, a little bit about that too, and I think Phil Perry noted it because obviously he had the, the view from up top, but he said Harmon and, uh, and, and McCourty were kind of seesawing. One guy would come in. The other one would go back and they were just, and you could, he said, you could tell Darnold was just so confused. He, he was checking like this, like looking all over the place. He had no idea what he was doing all night long. And and the other thing is too, they just straight, they, they just disrespected the the, the Jets receivers. 100%. Just like bringing yep. zero blitz, what was it, like 12, 12 times or something like that? Like yep. that just shows, A, no respect for your receivers. Like <laughs> we're going to bring everybody and, and try to be this one-on-one. Yeah. And I actually no, mentioned pregame. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go, go. Just really quickly, leading up to the game, I actually mentioned that what I was expecting, and this is what they did last year, was on base downs, they would just go with, on early downs, they go with their base personnel. So, you know, just a pretty right. vanilla front where it was usually like five guys in line of scrimmage using their 3-4 just to make sure that they could take away the run first and have Donald, you know, just have to beat them himself. And then when they got into passing situations, it was the same thing. They would show the pressure looks and they'd have straight man coverage because we've seen it time and time again, especially since Gilmore got here. They do not respect the Jets receivers. They don't yeah. fear them at all because they know they've got the talent and they know that with all the talent they have with the pass rush, that it's a lot to think about. And even if you do, you know, make the right read, chances are the Patriots DBs and linebackers and everything are going to be able to make a play against the receivers. So, you know, this is something that we've actually seen. Donald just was a lot worse this year, I think, because they did a little bit more in terms of their disguise than they did last time. Yeah. Well, I think, too, and that's someone just on the comment thing, you know, asked if, uh, you know, if you can only really play cover zero against less experienced quarterbacks. And I think I think while that's not necessarily the case. They really you know, jerry off doing it. They did. And, well, and the thing is, too. <laughs> is they gotta, too. Right. Yeah. And, and you got to understand, too, like the big thing with the Patriots is that they're probably the best man coverage team in the league. I mean, you talk about – Stephon Gilmore, who's a phenomenal man-to-man coverage guy. J.C. Jackson's a great man-to-man coverage guy. Jason McCourty, Jonathan Jones, all these guys can man cover. And then you have the linebackers that are explosive into the, you know, rushing the passer like Collins and Hightower and those guys. But then you also mix it up so you don't know what's coming. Obviously, the danger with running cover zero is that if the cornerback misses the tackle, it's a touchdown or it's a long play because, you know, everyone's singled up man-to-man and the other people that aren't singled up man-to-man are rushing the quarterback. So if you run a quick slant and break it, see you later. You're going to the house. And so that's the that's obviously the danger of running that play, but the Patriots don't have to worry about that as much because they have so much faith in their linebackers and their cornerbacks. And what they also do, similar to that John Simon play, where it looks like they're bringing everyone, and all of a sudden three guys jump in the middle. You throw a quick slant right there, and it's picked off, and it's going to the house the other direction. So that's the other stuff that you got to be thinking about is that the Patriots not only – are they doing those things, but they're mixing up what they're doing and they have the personnel to do it. You know, you talk about Gilmore, who's probably the best cornerback in the league and Hightower, who in my opinion is one of the best linebackers in the league. And Collins is playing out, out, out of his they're mind. So right. Smart. Now. So smart. Just so right. smart. And, right. And, and experienced too. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, I was on, kind of on the train too, of like, they're going to, they're going to fall off at some point, right? They're going to play Mahomes and they're going to start playing these good quarterbacks. Even like you, you thought Mayfield at the beginning of the year, but oof, right. he's in for one this weekend too. But yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really convinced that this defense, they're, they're never going to get let up. Like maybe give up like what, 250 yards one game, which the Patriots will win that game. No problem. Right. I buy two sports. The first game they give up a couple of touchdowns. People are going to be 
losing oh, their minds. Oh, like, oh I told you. Overrated. This yeah, defense yeah, isn't what you thought. You're just like, no, right. it's going to happen eventually. Defenses give up points. This is just insane. And like you guys said, the, the experience and then the experience together. You know, Collins right. is one of the new guys, but he's yeah. been with most of the team for a long time. He understands the system, even though they do different things than what they did when he was here, especially with their pressure packages. But you see with the line stunts, like that's it looks easy, but we see all the time. Like if you look at other opponents, you see guys running into each other a lot because these yeah. aren't easy things to execute. It takes timing. It takes an understanding of the Vikings are also really good at it. It's an understanding of, you know, what you can do to free up somebody else. It's being unselfish. It's opening up opportunities for other people. And then the secondary, they can communicate and they know what each person's leverage is, what they're doing, where the weaknesses are. And then Again, going back to why it's so hard and these zero coverages aren't as easy as you think is because they don't just blitz all the time. Like, I know simulated pressures, I feel like, were talked about more last year, and now it's more just the blitz looks. But a lot of it is simulated pressure where sometimes it'll be cover one, sometimes it's cover two, where both safeties will kind of start in the box. But you see that they're kind of, like you were saying with the seesaw, where they kind of go back and forth. And then at the snap, they both go towards the sidelines. So you don't really know what you're getting all the time. Usually it is main coverage which is an easier indicator, but you don't know where the strength of defense is. So you don't know if you can throw the fade route. You don't know if you should right. hit the post, which makes it harder because then it's like with the Patriots, we always talk about communication and these option routes. If, for example, your slot receiver, this man coverage, it's the difference between middle of the field open, which means there's no safety in the middle of the field. That's, you know, cover two when they're protecting the sidelines or middle of the field close, which is cover one, cover three, where there's a safety right in the middle, like Devin McCourty, Earl Thomas, right. those guys. But your route changes sometimes. So if a if a cornerback if a receiver in the slot is supposed to run a post against an open middle of the field and maybe a corner if they're trying to take away the middle, then he doesn't really know the receiver has to know what to do and the quarterback has to see it. And then where the inexperience part comes in is if he's looking at the pressure and he can feel it and his eyes drop, he's not looking at the safeties. He doesn't know you know what the coverage actually is, which is how they hold the ball. And more experienced quarterbacks, you know, they know not to look down at the rush and, you know, it's easier for them. But even still, when the defense is playing soundly, they're still in good position. So there's so many things you have to think about. And the fact this defense has been together for so long and they communicate so well is a huge benefit to them and the reason that they're able to have as much success as they're having and why they're on a historic tear right now and I don't see it slowing down. Because we've been seeing it for more than, you know, seven weeks. We've been seeing it going all the way back to midseason last year. So Yeah, no, it's true. So, all right, listen, five words or less. Spags, I'm going to start with you. Do the Browns have a chance on Sunday? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's, the most, it's the biggest coaching mismatch of all, like, of all time. Bill Belichick versus Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens got hired because he was just – they were just like, yeah. hey, you, you want to yeah, coach? Like, go coach these guys. He is a buffoon. There's no way they're in a ballpark. Not, oh. So Baker Mayfield, oh, I'm, I'm pay, way past five words. Go ahead, Taylor. Uh, I was going to say, Taylor, <laughs> Spag's a bad listener. Five <laughs> words or less to the, to the Browns have a chance on Sunday. The Browns are not good. Or the Browns have no chance. There we go. Yeah, there, you <laughs> there you go. All right, cool. There's, oh, there's, a, there's, a, little, there's a little dash in there. I was listen. I uh, I was on. You're, I was you're on. a teacher. I can't cheat on your watch. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, listen. You don't have to be a teacher to know you went over your five word max. <laughs> I know. I hope, I hope not. <laughs> um, no. So I um I was on actually an interesting podcast. Um, Dogs of War is the name of the show, and it, really cool guys. And we we're just chatting about that same thing about you know whether they have a chance or not. And I just think the Browns have, have no shot. And Spags, you hit the nail on the head, man. The coaching matchup is just is is not is not fair. And uh, you know someone asked on the chat, you know, will they hold the Browns to less than three points? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, the Browns might score. 
uh, a touchdown, maybe, possibly. But I mean, like, I want it early. Kareem Hunt's coming back. Kareem Hunt always yeah. scores against the Patriots. That's uh, honestly what scares me the most. Kareem Hunt's coming oh, back. Is that against week? Us? No, it can't be that. No, I think, nine, right? I think he's suspended eight, eight weeks. Games, right? Eight yeah, games. I was eight. Okay, eight okay. So I think, he's, I think he's back at practice. Yeah, I think practicing. He's back that's practice. it. That's it. My bad. That's mm-hmm. it. No, you're all right. It's okay. So, yeah, I won so, an early lead though. Kind of talking about that game I agree. a little bit. Preview. Yeah. You know, get up, get up ahead. Just keep this thing rolling. And and <laughs> I mean, we know they have no chance of Browns. They're like, oh, here we go. Like, oh shit, yeah. here we go again. Type of thing. Um, <laughs> don't give them any chance. Don't give them any any yeah. any hope that they can be in this game. Because I mean, they got some skill players like Jarvis and Odell. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see Odell versus Gilmore. I think that's a that's a pretty cool yeah. matchup. Well, and that's the one. You know he's going to go to him. He's not going to oh, shy yeah. away from. Guys. No, he's has to. He's got no choice. We've seen plenty of other people, and Odell is the kind of guy where it doesn't matter who's against him. You give him an opportunity to make plays. Now, yeah. I think where the Patriots are going to have success is you know they're going to try to get him the ball quick, so screens and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work very well against tight man coverage. So you know they can use some stack looks and some bunches to try to get you know OBJ a little bit more space. But we've seen how good Stephon is at diagnosing plays and closing on you know screens and getting in position to blow those up. So I don't really see Odell Beckham. He's going to have a couple catches. You know he's yeah. he's a superstar, right. but I don't see him being a difference maker in this game. And then right. beyond that, Jarvis Landry. He's a great leader. I love his toughness. I love his passion for the game and everything he brings. But I also think he's pretty underrated. I don't know if he is now, maybe, you know, considering how their whole season's going. But I don't think he's the kind of guy. I, he reminds me of Juju in that they have athletic limitations, but they're tough guys who will catch pretty much anything in their area code, and they're good yeah. after the catch. But if you put an athlete on them who plays good coverage and is sound fundamentally, they're not going to have a very good game. And I think that's the kind of thing we're going to see. Like John Jones – I think he's going to be able to out-physical Jones a little bit because he's a smaller guy. But still, Jones has excellent ball skills. He's sticky. I don't think he's going to give up much separation to Jarvis. So, again, another guy who they rely on who I don't think is going to be a big difference maker. Um, Chubb is the is the really he's the person X-Factor. I'm worried about. He's yeah, the and we saw Le'Veon Bell did have some good runs against the Patriots. But then, right. you know, if you're talking about one game, then you, you look at the then you have look at the O-line. Right. Well, and that's, this O-line I mean, for the Browns is – I know, not good. And I know. Danny Sheldon, Lawrence Guy are going to be in the backfield all game. But you know what, though? I think that's the only chance. And that's what I was saying on the on the show, uh, on these guys' show yesterday, is that, you know, that's the only shot they have a winning. You have to you have to try to stack the box and run it every play. And, you know, not every play, but, I mean, you got to try to run it a lot and have success running. And if you can somehow do that, then you have a chance at least because you're not throwing the ball on the Patriots. You're not going to do it. And so even OBJ, they may not go, you know, as many cover zero, you know, as they, as they did this game, but you know, realistically, you're not beating them. uh, You're not beating them man to man. So it's just, it's not going to happen. So to me to win the game or to have a chance of winning the game, they got to run a lot. And like you said, their offensive line is garbage and the Patriots defensive line is great. So they don't have a, they don't have a great chance of doing that either. And then you also have to factor in Baker Mayfield's accuracy has not been oh, good this season. Geez. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's putting it in the area code, but he's throwing behind. He's throwing in front. Yeah. And we've what did Darnold do the entire game? You know, his accuracy was off. Now, there were some. I'm not going to act like he was, you know, close a lot of the time. There were a couple of cases where he just literally lobbed it up there. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that was – and it was just an easy uh, – pick for the DBs, but at the same time, when you put it behind or in front and the Patriots are defending you, they're not giving up a lot of separation. We've seen it every single week. If you're not putting it right where the receiver can catch it, away from their body or right in their body so they can make a quick one, the Patriots are going to deflect it. They've all got excellent ball skills. They know, okay, I'm in phase. I can make a play on the ball, which is why they lead the league in interceptions, which 
or tweeted earlier this year is earlier this week. The fact that main coverage is designed basically for you to just stop passes. You know, you're not trying to get interceptions really. You're really just trying to make sure the receiver doesn't catch it. The fact that they lead the league in interceptions. Yeah. And match the total from last year, playing man coverage. You're not even looking at the ball a lot of the time, but it speaks to their athleticism and their ability to stay with the receiver in phase and give themselves opportunities to. But even when they're not, you know, if they're a little behind, you see Gilmore's great at this. J.C. Jackson does a really good job. All of them do. Um, If they're a little bit behind, they go for the ball, they punch it out, they rip it out. They're excellent at that. So I think there's just too many things that go against the Browns' offense. I think their defense is, you know, something that I think is a more interesting matchup to look at, but I don't see their offense being able to move the ball consistently. And uh, (laughs) and just to note, too, with a little good luck to Baker, uh, the Patriots have played four top ten picks (laughs) in the last uh, two years. Rosen, Allen, Jones, and Darnold. They're 46 for 109. That's 42%. Yikes. 497 yards, a touchdown, 11 interceptions. I tweeted this out after the game. 11 interceptions? First Yikes. Four number uh, top 10 picks, and then you get Baker Mayfield this week. So they're going to play five oh, first-round picks of the last two years, and they've made the first, the prior four look just Look awful. really bad. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Plus, Belichick could get his 100th win against the Browns. And we That'd all know about that history. Yeah. That is this, too poetic. Like, it yeah. has to happen. And you and know what they said? The his first career, oh. no, his first career one was with the Browns with the against the Patriots. Yep. crazy. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a double revenge game for Belichick. Belichick had the revenge game last week against the Jets, and he's got the revenge game this week against the Browns. So it's like a whole mm-hmm. thing, you know. So, uh, all right, done with the Browns. That's enough of them. So uh, it's our final segment. Listen, if you're if you're out there, if you're watching, we appreciate you guys. Uh, get your question in for the Q and A afterwards. Uh, but this is kind of our final segment of the show. We got to talk about it because Adam Schefter won't stop talking about it. He doubled down on it the other day. Um, you know, he thinks Brady's going to be gone after this year. He's going somewhere. Who the heck knows where they're going? I don't know. Uh, he thinks he's leaving to go somewhere. I don't know. I mean, I think it's stupid. But here's what I'll say. And I've been saying it since the beginning. And I got to give my father credit because he's the first one that said it and I stole it from him. But he's not online and he has no presence anywhere and whatever. No one listens to him. So I'm the only one. I'm just going to steal it from now on. I gave him credit once. Now it's done. I don't think I don't think give him credit again. But, um, you know, on Tom versus time, he's sitting on the couch with Giselle and they're talking about how much longer he's going to play. And he looks at Super G and he says, he got a little smirk on his face and he's like, eh, two more. Okay. He's not talking about seasons. He's talking about Super Bowls. And in that situation, he had five at that point. That's the Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles season. They lose that year. They win last year. He's got six. There's one. So now if he wins this year, there's number two. And, and to me, that's the only situation I could see Brady walking away if they win a seventh this year. If he gets seven, he's got more than Jordan. He's got more than Kobe. He's got more than any other NFL franchise, obviously, other than his own. So it's just it, the levels are ridiculous. And again, I think you're hearing more from him. Like today, I thought was interesting, you know, on the Greg Hill show, uh, on the Hillman show, when he said, like, I'm on borrowed time right now. And like, I could just wake up tomorrow and be like, meh, okay, I think I'm done. Like, I was like, whoa, really? And so I think that, you know, he's got it in his head a little bit more. Like, if we win this year, that's the end and we're good. I'm, I'm fine with that. And so, uh, you know, Spags, I'll kind of let you go first on this, but uh, your thoughts on obviously his contract runs out after this year. He's got to he's got to sign with the Patriots. I don't think he goes anywhere else. You can you can speak on that, but I think if they win, there's a good chance that 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 could be his last game. I've I've said it too, Pat, and I agree with you 100 percent on that. And I've said it since the beginning. He's not a Derek Jeter, a David Ortiz type, where he wants this big. 
you know, ceremony, the gifts you get. I mean, not that, you know, they might not do it to that extent, but I don't, he's not the guy that people, he doesn't like people knowing his business. I think he's right. going to, like you said, wake up one day and be like, I'm done, you know, kind of come out of nowhere, come out of left field. Um, I completely agree with you with the Super Bowl take. And another thing is too, I don't think uh, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, or Tom Brady would allow himself to ever wear another uniform. I know the San yeah. Francisco thing was thrown out there and, and I kind of believe that for a little bit because you know, Joe Montana played in another uniform and, and other great quarterbacks, but with Jimmy G there, there's just no, there's just no way. And right. another thing to spice up the pot a little bit, if he goes and wins a seventh Super Bowl title versus Jimmy Garoppolo, oh. he should just take his jersey off at midfield and end it right there. I would be completely <laughs> okay with that. That would be awesome. But I do think, you're right, if they do win it this year, I think this is it. We've seen some weird things from him, some weird comments, and I, I completely – you know, I think he's kind of tired of the, of the bull crap with the media and just, you know, yeah. he's just lived in a magnifying glass his whole life. And I just think he's kind of, he's done with that. He's done his time. Um, I, I'll respect his decision either way. He's, he's brought right. all of us so much joy and I, I'm shocked he's still playing and, and at the level he is. So uh, I'm going to have to say, yeah, if they win it this year, this could be it. Yeah. And I think, you know, speculation to when exactly it's going to happen is pretty pointless because he said how many times when I yeah. suck, I'm going to stop. But yeah. at the same time, like you guys have said, that you could wake up one day and just be like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, if you're, your, your heart's not in it, as much work as he puts in, like we know this is a year-round thing for him. This yeah. isn't – I get a couple months off. Like he's on vacation still thinking about his sleep, thinking about what he's eating, all those things. So, yeah, I agree. If anything, it's going to be because he retires. He's not going anywhere else. And even with the Joe Montana situation, he had Steve Young breathing down his back. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't a perfect situation yeah. when Joe Montana left. Right now, he's got Brady's got an owner who's like a second father to him. Belichick, everyone loves to you know dissect that relationship. Yeah, the rip that's going on, and people don't I think understand how much respect and professional love I think there is there because they teach each other so much. Like how many players do you think obviously a good coach is going to learn from their players you know because you see they see things that you don't and the league's always evolving so there's always going to be something to take away but Belichick always mentions how he how Brady makes him a better coach because he keeps him on top of everything he has to make sure that you know when they have their little individual meetings that there's not something that he overlooked that Brady's going to point out to him things that Brady's telling about the things that he's seeing there's so much about that relationship and so much respect and history there. Like, do you really think that winning six Super Bowls with another person isn't, you know, going to foster a little bit of a bond there? Right. I, there's just so many factors, I think, that overwhelm the whole he's selling his house. And he's isn't he getting a house in Connecticut? Like, it's not like he's moving to yeah. Texas or anything. Like, he's still going to be pretty close. Um, right. So I think all that speculation is just, you know, people love to find some little – uh, oh, yeah. Some yeah, in the armor somehow, to say, right? oh, the Patriots are going to come down finally. I think actually Rappaport tweeted something about the Patriots staff and how Steve Belichick's on it, Gerard Mayo's on it. And he said the future's looking bright for a long time. And I just said, yeah, weep. Because that's yeah. that's reality. Uh -huh. There's good young players on the team, you know. And again, to just wrap it all up, I, I feel with Brady the way I felt about Gronk and that, you know, I'm just going to cherish every moment that we have left with him. If he wants to retire, I'm more than happy. He's given this city and this, this Patriots community so much of himself and to an extent his family just because of the spotlight he's in and there's so many things that he's done to sacrifice to be the best player he can be for himself for his teammates and for the the fan base so if he wants to retire all the power to him he's gonna go out on top i'm sure um but you know i if I, like you guys said if anything i think he retires i don't see him wearing yeah. another uniform agreed agreed so listen i mean that's all we got this has been 
This has been a lot of fun, man. This has been a lot of fun. This I think awesome. we've actually, I think we've yeah. answered all the questions in the uh, in the in the stream. So thank you for it's participating, awesome. people. Thanks for watching. Uh, it's been the first, and hopefully the first of many. And uh, it's been a Absolutely. lot of fun. Oh, and yeah. Taylor, you know, you were a little long winded there. If you no, I'm just kidding. No. That's my thing. It's ADHD. I get, I get caught in my own head sometimes. No, but you know what though? It's the the X and O stuff is so cool because awesome. you know I, I see some of it, but man, you just you break it down so you break it down like a coach, and and it's great. And so you know you bring that to the table for for Pat's pulpit and for us, and we we appreciate that. So um, you know we thought you'd be the perfect guy. So before you do that, actually, let's let's kind of uh, plug just plug yourself, Taylor, a little bit uh, where they can see you and whatnot, and then. We'll, Spags and I, I guess we'll talk for a second, although, you know, people should know who we are already. I mean, we'll see. But. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you can follow me on Twitter at TKYLES39, TKYLES39. And I'm also a co-host with Bobby Kravitsky on the Kravitsky and Kyle show. We do that every Tuesday and Thursday. So we'll be dropping an episode tomorrow so you guys can tune in for that. And um, I love constructive criticism, by the way. You know, I, I do this for the people that are watching all these threads and all the X's and O's stuff I put out because I want to try to bring the game to someone else and, you know, impart any, you know, what little knowledge I have. You know, I'm very young in this game. But if you guys have any constructive criticism on Twitter or anything that you want to levy my way, how I can be better, um, you know, with how I break things down or, you know, on the podcast appearances or anything like that, please let me know. Um, and I really appreciate all the support. And I love being on the show with you guys. Thank you for having me. That was great. Time, we're, yeah, we're we happy to have this, you. We're going to make this more. more. We yeah, this for more. sure. Agreed. For sure. Uh, we do have a question that said, uh, will it be every Wednesday? It's a great question. Uh, I, we can't promise every Wednesday because our, our schedule, you know, Spags and I's schedule fluctuates uh, from time to time. But I'd love to try to do – if we could do a live show every week, that'd be great. Now, of course, it's going to depend on on uh, on the guest. Sometimes we'll have a guest that can't do a live show, maybe, um, you know, call-in guests only or something like that. So you know, that's, there's a possibility there. Uh, but we could do, you well, know, even you if – yeah, yeah, I think – yeah, yeah, I think, I think I'd like to – I know. I'd love to set up something more consistent when we're doing it, you know, once a week. And uh, and hopefully, my hope is that every show starts doing some live content, and, and you know, and and all of us start doing live content at Pat's Pulpit. So uh, and kind of get this uh, get this YouTube page up and going. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So uh, listen for you know for me, I'm I'm at P Lane underscore Pat's online, um, you know, and uh, and I write you know occasionally. I, I'll write a, an article or two here and there uh, as well. And you know where what Pat's uh, Pat's Nation Pod? No. Yep. Yeah, yep. That's Pat's it. Nation Pod, right? right? So uh, on 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 Twitter and Spags, I'll let I'll let you shout yourself out before yeah, I uh, uh, talk for you. I'm at Ryan underscore Spags. Um, I'm the stack guy, I guess you could say. I love digging up football <laughs> reference. It's my best friend on the internet. Oh, it's um, the best, isn't it? I'm the stack guy. I'm learning the X's and O's a little bit, Taylor. I gotta give you a shout out. I'm learning through you. I guess that's kind of uh, the best way to go doing a little film breakdown, but, uh, like, like he said, constructing criticism, trying to get better yep. at this. And, uh, I interact with just about everybody. So, yeah. uh, you guys yeah. can tune in there and we'll, we'll go from there for sure. Yeah. And if listen, if you're on, you know, if you're listening on the podcast right now, because this is getting released on Friday as well in podcast form. So if you're listening on the podcast right now, you know, you can certainly tune in to, uh, you know, to the YouTube page as well and check us out. And so we'll be tweeting those links out, uh, as well. So, Listen, thanks for listening. Taylor, Ryan, it's been a pleasure, guys. And uh, uh, and we'll talk to you guys later. Take care. See you guys later. Awesome.